0: All right, in our study of Moses and the Israelites, last week we looked at the question that Moses had asked God when he said, God, who am I? This is the scripture that we had read last week. It will give us kind of the context of what we're going into today. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Out of the midst of a bush, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning yet not consumed. And Moses said, "I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned?" Now, when the Lord saw that He had Moses's attention, and Moses had actually turned aside and was giving God His His uh, recognition and again His attention, that's when God called to him out of the bush. It said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Then God said to Moses, don't come near. You're having a holy moment. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you were standing is holy ground. And anytime you have a connection with God, it's a holy moment. You are standing on holy ground. God has the ability to speak to all of us in a variety of ways through the very ordinary ways. He can speak in extraordinary ways through the most ordinary of circumstances. But when you recognize Recognize that it is God who is speaking. Take off your sandals. Take off your shoes. You're having a holy God moment. So he says, don't come near. Take your sandals off. The place on which you're standing is holy ground. Then God said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And now behold, Moses, the cries of the sons of Israel have come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, Moses, and I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses, I've got a call on your life. I have something more that you need to accomplish and you need to do. I know you're just tending sheep. I know you've been there in the wilderness for 40 years, but I have a holy calling upon your life, something that I want you to accomplish. But Moses said to God, These incredible words, who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Remember that question last week that Moses was asking was really the question that I think a lot of us ask, who am I? I can't do anything. I've messed up too much. I've committed too many sins. I've made too many mistakes. I've got too much baggage, too many failures in my life. I don't have any talents. I don't have any abilities you got the wrong guy, God. I don't know why you would choose me, but you absolutely have the wrong guy. And God said to Moses, these words, <clears throat> Certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. From last week, we learned some of these things about our identity. But one of the primary scriptures that we learned was out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, When Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're new. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It says in the book of Isaiah, these words, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? And so what is God calling us? Well, it's not about you, it's about him. It's not about your past, it's about your future. It's not about you accomplishing something, it's God accomplishing something through you. It's new. You are new. You have been made new. You are no longer who you always have been. In order to participate in that, it requires repentance. And repentance is turning away from who I was toward who God wants me to be. It's the giant U-turn that we take on the journey of life, going away from God and now turning back to God, leaving the old behind. Saying, God, I want to be who you want me to be. I can't carry these things any longer and be the same person I've always been. I have to lay it aside. And maybe there's some things in your own life that you are being called by God to lay aside. It's time to be different. Maybe it's the bottle. You've been drinking. You've been consumed with this. And God is saying, lay it aside and follow me. Maybe it is greed. Maybe it is a a pursuit that is unholy and unhealthy. An attitude of mind, a thought of heart that you've had that God is saying it's time to leave it behind. And start following me, because you are brand new, Moses. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am, Moses. And I will be with you every step of the way. You have a brand new identity, a brand new calling, and a brand new purpose in life. Today, we are going to see that God is going to continue to have this conversation with Moses. But this time, it's not Moses saying, well, who am I? Now, this time, Moses is going to ask and need to know from God, who exactly are you? Let's pray as we get into this. Father, as we wrestle with this today, help us to understand and see who you are. Everyone comes with this question Trying to understand and figure out who you are. Lord, there are so many versions of you that have been shared throughout all time. There are so many thoughts toward you. There are so many false things about you in this world today. We just want to know what your word tells us about who you are. What is your character? How can we know your heart? What is your desire for humanity? What is your desire For us, for me. Lord, how do we draw near to you? How do we do life with you and walk with you? And Lord, how do you want to shape us and make us into what you want us to be? Help us to know today, Lord. Help us to just even touch on this question of who are you? Lord, I believe we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on this simple phrase, who are you? And never fully comprehend it. Help us to get a glimpse, Lord, of who you actually are. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for what you're going to teach us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, people have all kinds of false ideas and false concepts about who God is. Uh, Some people believe God is a Santa Claus. He is there to grant every wish. A genie, a magic genie, as it were, that is just there to give you wealth and wisdom and health. He's just there to do what you want him to do. Maybe it's not a, a magic genie. Maybe he's the magic bellhop in the sky that's there to pick up your luggage and serve you in whatever capacity you want him to serve you in. That sometimes is the view of God. It's an unhealthy view. It's a wrong view of who God is. Sometimes people see God as kind of a distant God. He's somewhere out there, way out there, but he's uninvolved. He's unconcerned. He's not really active in my life. Some people see God as a very angry judge that is sitting on a stand waiting to punish and waiting to judge. As soon as you mess up, he's waiting to pounce. Maybe he's very shaming. Maybe he's very... He's very condemning. Maybe he is very um, disengaged. Maybe he's just a God of our own making. When you come to the Lord, when you come to a relationship with God, that is a fundamental question that we all have. Who exactly is this God that I am bowing down and serving? Well, that's the same kind of question that Moses is going to have here today. Let's look together again at chapter 3, starting in verse 13. As we see this question that Moses is going to have, here's what it says as the conversation goes on. Moses had said, well, who am I? Well, it's not about who you are, Moses. I'm with you. I've given you a new identity. You have a new calling and a new purpose. Then Moses said to God, okay, well, what about this? If I come to the people of Israel, which is a huge number of people, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? What is Moses asking? He's asking, God, who are you exactly? What can I know about you? I want you to keep in mind this thought, that the Israelites really didn't have a good understanding of who God was at this time. None of the Old Testament had been written the law had not been given all they had was the stories of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the forefathers of their faith that would have been passed down from family to family nothing else was written it was just the stories that we had told traditionally or verbally but there was not a lot that was given at that point other than those few interactions that they had they didn't really know God they knew there was a God they believed that there was a God. They were calling out for God, but they didn't really know him. What is his heart? What is his ideas? What is his purpose in my life? How does this God work? We know the gods of the, uh, the Egyptians because we see the images all around us. We see the concepts of, of Ra, uh, Ra and the other gods that are being served in Egypt. But who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Exactly. And that's what Moses was asking. Who are you? Who do I tell them you are? How can I know you? What is the relationship I can have with you? If I come to the people and they ask me, what is his name? What am I going to tell them? God said to Moses, here's the answer. I am who I am. Now that's incredibly unhelpful. When you just read those words, I am who I am. Because it sounds like Popeye the sailor man. It's confusing. I don't understand it. What exactly does this mean? Then God clarified it more and he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I've observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. To the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. I want you to notice some of these things, these observations that God is saying. I want you to communicate this to the people that I have observed and I have seen what has been done to you. And I want to promise you that I'm going to bring you up and I'm going to bring you out of what you're going through a promised land, a land of hope, a land of freedom, a land that I have set aside for you. See, this is the message of the gospel. Before you knew God, before you even had an inkling of who God was, and maybe you still don't even today, before you knew God, he knew you. And before you knew God, he had seen what your life looked like. And before you knew God, he knew the afflictions you experienced. And before you knew God, he had a promise for you to bring you up out of that thing that you were in and to bring you to something new, something beautiful, a land flowing with milk and honey. Let's talk for a little bit today about what God was again the people knew of a God but they really didn't have a good concept of who God was none of this had been written down none of this had had been experienced yet all of the book of Genesis would have been done and gone through but thousands of years have gone by since the creation to where they're at today and they're just learning to get to know him in the book of Jeremiah, God gives us a clue as to who he is. He says this, but let one who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me. See, this is God's heart, that he wants us to understand and know him. He has made a way that you and I can know him and understand him. That it's not complicated. It is all given in his word that we can know him and understand him. For this is his heart and this is his nature that I am Yahweh, Adonai, who exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness on earth. For in these things I delight. It is a declaration of Adonai. Who is God? Well, he is someone who is loving kind, uh, has a loving kindness. He is just. And he is righteous and he wants his people to know this about him. Here are some of the things that it says that we had read from Moses about who God is. He said these words. He said, first of all, he said, I am who I am. That's what he said. I am who I am. Well, again, not helpful. What exactly does that mean? He said, tell them I am has sent you. Okay, still not helpful. What does that mean? He said, you shall say to the sons of Israel, it's the Lord, which is another word for the I am. Again, this is not helpful to me. He said, I am indeed concerned about you. That's helpful to know that the God who created everything is concerned about me. And he's concerned about you. Think about your life. Think about how extraordinary it is that of billions of people, God can know you individually and he is concerned about you. That shows us what his heart is. The idea of Yahweh in the Old Testament is the word, the word yod heh vav in Hebrew means Yahweh. But again, what does that mean? Well, that describes his nature and his character. And all of those things give us four indications about who God is in our lives that I want to share with you today. Number one. We can understand about Yahweh that that word actually means that he is the self-existent, eternal God. I'm going to be honest with you. This is hard for me because I can't fully wrap my brain around this idea. If you can, maybe you can come explain it to me a little bit deeper. You, You know what that means? It means God has always been... God is now and God forever will be. We live on a plane of time in which people are born and people die. We see beginning and end on the timeline that we are on. We know that we became alive. We became self-aware at some point in life. That was a beginning. The self-existent eternal God doesn't have a beginning or an end. How does that work? I don't truly know, but he's always been and he always will be. He has always existed and he always will exist. He is needing of nothing where we are needing of everything. If we don't have food, if we don't have water, if we don't have, uh, if we don't have a blood supply, for example, if we don't have a beating heart, we are not going to live. God does not need anything. He is eternal, self-existent as a God. I want you to think of it this way. A Tesla car. They They're kind of cool looking. Maybe some of you, I don't know if anybody in here has a Tesla. Maybe somebody does. But they're very cool looking. But if you don't have a source... To charge that car, it's an expensive paperweight or an expensive boat anchor. It does nothing if you don't have a source to charge it so that it can be useful. It has to have a source. It has to have something to charge it up so that it can actually go. Now, the power source also needs something. It needs coal or natural gas. wind or solar but we want to talk about those things coal or natural gas to provide the electricity that goes to the station that can give power to the Tesla to make it run Well, where does the coal and where does the natural gas come from? Well, it came from really decayed animals, decayed plant life buried under weight that actually turned into these things that we can actually use. So that came from a source as well. Where did those things come from? Well, they existed. They had been born. They had died in some state. They were also a created thing. There is a source somewhere. Where is the head source of all of this? It is God. It is God. Who didn't need anything for him to be created, for him to be in existence, because he is self-existent, the eternal God. Here's what the Bible tells us about who he is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there is the beginning. It's always been God. He existed from the very beginning. In the book of Revelation he says I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the self-existent eternal God. That is hard to understand, but that's what the word I am means. I've always been. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. Self-existent, eternal. And that is what has been I am. Not I was. Not I will be, it's I, I am. This is who I am. Number two, though he is self-existent and eternal, almighty creator God, he is also a relational God. This is what blows me away. That a God who can create everything out of nothing, who has always been self-existent, eternal, that he cares about you and I that is mind-blowing how can he have the time to care about us how can he have the capacity to care about us i don't know but he does because he says it all throughout his word in particular what we read in the earlier part of exodus 3 shows us his relationship look at this moses hid his face he was afraid to look at god and the Lord said, I have surely seen, whoops, I have surely, um, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have I have given heed, which means I heard their cry, I'm aware of their sufferings, so I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land this is the relationship of god do you know that religion is the, the attempt of mankind to try to reach god that's what religion is religion is i'm going to do certain things to convince god that i'm worthy And so I'm going to go to church because that's my religious duty, and I'm going to give because that's my religious duty, and I'm going to pray because that's my religious duty, and I'm going to do penance walking on my knees for five miles. That's my religious duty, and I'm trying to be religious, but religion is my ability to reach God, but that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a relationship. Because what does it say? I am not waiting for you to come to me. I have come down to you on your level, where you're at. Why? Because I care about you. And I want to deliver you from where you're at to a good and spacious land. I want to bless your socks off. That's the idea of a relational God. We don't have to reach him. He comes down to where we are and brings us out. That's what Jesus did. Why did Jesus come? Why was he born? Why did he live here on this earth? Well, because he has come down to deliver us. Because it's not a religion that you can reach God. It's a God in relationship who comes down and reaches you. So he is a relational God. That's the meaning of I am. I am. Never changing. I am. Relational. Here's the third meaning of the word Yahweh. It means also the always present God. God is there. He's existing right now. Now, it's really not something that we all have a problem with we can believe that he's he's there he's he's active but he is really active and he's really there it says that where two or people are gathered in his name he's there in the midst of that what that would mean is a church service like this there are more or two more than two or people, three people that are gathered in his name he is there he is here in the midst of us The Holy Spirit of God lives within us. We are his temple. He lives within the believer. He is always present in our lives. In fact, he chooses, for some reason, to build his very kingdom among his people. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 17, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you because he is there where believers gather. He is there where you go. He goes with you. Where you step, he steps with you. That's why Hebrews 13, it says, keep your your lifestyle free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For God himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So that with confidence we say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what will man do to me. That's his promise: I will be with you, because I am the I am, the present, the ever-present God. He is not on vacation somewhere. He is not laying on a beach somewhere, and you're just doing your own thing. He is there with you every step of the way, because that's what the I am is. In Deuteronomy, he encourages them to say this. He says, "Be courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble before them, for Adonai your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Adonai is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Do not fear or be discouraged. In the book of Hebrews, it says, No creature is hidden from him, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. In the book of Jeremiah, he says, Can anyone hide himself in places so secret that I will not see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth? It is a declaration of Adonai. So that's what Yahweh is. Yahweh is, I am the self-existent, eternal God. I am a relational God. I am the God who is always present, no matter where you're at, what you're going through, what's going to happen tomorrow. I will be with you. Finally... He is also the unchanging, promise-keeping God. And that's what Yahweh ultimately means. I keep my word. I keep my promises. Remember what he had said to Moses? I promise that I will bring you up to a good and spacious land. He is a God who keeps his promises, who never backs away. Do you know that a promise, the definition of a promise, is a declaration of what someone will do? God is declaring, I will do this. A promise is an assurance that God gives his people so that they can walk by faith while they are waiting for him to work. And God is a promise-keeping God, unchanging, promise-keeping, always keeps his word. In the book of Malachi, it says this, For I am Adonai, I do not change. So you, children of Jacob, Israel, are not consumed. I never change, God says. In the book of Numbers, God is not a man who lies or a son of man who changes his mind. Does he speak and then not do it? Or promise and not fulfill it? So he is the I am. And when Moses says, well, exactly who are you? This is who he is. Moses, you tell the people I am. You tell the people that I am the self-existent eternal God. You tell the people that I am a relational God. You tell the people that I, I, I'm always present with them. You tell the people that I am unchanging and promise-keeping and everything that I say to them. I want to wrap up, though, this idea, this concept with a list of things that I want you to see. And, in fact, you may want to take a picture of the screen and remember some of these things. Okay, God, if you are unchanging, if you are a promise-keeping God, if you are always present, a relational God, a self-existent eternal God, what does that exactly mean to me, God? I want you to look at some of the promises that God has given in his word to you and I. To encourage us to walk by faith while we're waiting for him to work here's some of the promises and this is all I could fit on the screen I mean I could have spent a couple of days just going through the promises but here's some key ones I will never leave you nor forsake you he says I will remember your sins no more how great is that promise the things that I've done you mean you won't remember them I won't remember your sins anymore I will cleanse you from all iniquity. You're going to clean up my life? Yeah, I'm going to clean up your life. I'm going to give you rest. Man, we desperately need rest in the busyness of life that we have. I will give you strength. I will supply all your needs. I will never stop loving you. You ever have anybody in your life that has quit loving you? They gave up on you. They rejected you because... You were just too far gone. God says, I'll never, never stop loving you. I will, I will give you, uh, that should be, say peace of mind and heart. I'll fix that before next service. I'll give you peace of mind and heart. I will not condemn you. you you're not going to condemn me for what I, no, I'm not going to condemn you. I, I will save you. I will make you free. I will give you eternal life. These are the promises of God. When Moses says, well, I don't understand who you are. Moses, let me tell you who who I am. I'm the I am, which means I won't change, which means when I make a promise, it's good and you can count on it, which means I will always be with you no matter what, which means I care about your life more than you could possibly understand i'm like a parent with their child and even though the child may think the parent is against them that's not the case i am for you i am with you i want to bless you i'm trying to protect you it's for your own good that's who i am moses i am self-existent i don't need anything i can just exist I'm the almighty God, the creator God, the one who put all of these things in, mos- uh, in motion. And Moses, even with all of that, I know you and I know my people and I'm going to lead you free. That's the question that Moses asks this week. Who are you? And this is the response of God. I am. I am. I am the Lord. I know what you're going through. And I'm not going to just leave you there. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to deliver you. And I'm going to take you to a good promise. A good and spacious land. And Moses, I'm going to bless your socks off. Would you pray with me as we close? Father. I believe that every one of us need to hear, need to remember, and just know who you are. For some, they're convinced that you are just an uncaring, unloving, angry God. That you're uninvolved with our lives, that you are distant. Maybe they're convinced that you're apathetic and, and really just uncaring toward us. Maybe they feel like you're supposed to just do whatever they want you to do. But that's not who you are, God. You are the great I am. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are Yahweh. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be touched and our lives would be changed because of your presence with us. We can't reach you. We can't, through religious activity, find you. But you have come down to us. And you've given us a way and an opportunity That we could be with you forever. Thank you, Father, that though sometimes we get confused, you truly do love us completely. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand and see that. And that we would surrender our hearts and our lives to the one who loves us completely. Father, as we leave this place, I pray for your blessing upon each and every person, each and every family, each and every couple, Lord, the ones that are tempted to leave here and start fighting. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless them and give them peace of heart and mind. I pray that you would repair the broken things in our lives, that you would deliver us from the Egypts in our lives. For those that have addictions, Lord, that you would deliver them from the addiction that they're dealing with for those that have marital struggles lord and and really have animosity toward each other i pray for healing and i pray for restoration and that there would be a finding again of the love that they once had i pray for children lord who are who have gone wayward in people's lives that are not walking with you that they would return back to you i pray father for reconciliation to happen Bless each person, Lord, as they leave, and thank you for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, we'll see you back next week as we continue along with the story and the journey of Moses and all that he is going through. See you then.